Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Chapter 13 of the Book of Hebrews, a new weekly podcast series. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. Chapter 13's theme is how to live. As we close out this book of Hebrews, I'd like to remind you that it was probably written between 67 and 69 AD by either the Apostle Paul or perhaps Apollos or one of their contemporaries. And if you wanted to sum up its theme in three words, it would be Jesus is greater. So now we are ready to begin with the first of three parts to this chapter. Those three parts are love, lifestyle, and leadership. So we're starting now with love in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. This starts out rather generically, perhaps, unless you notice that what is coming is very specific. Brotherly love, a constant theme in Christian circles, is not just a feeling, it's an action. And the two actions that the writer of the Hebrews gives here are showing hospitality to strangers and remembering those in prison, those in prison for the cause of Christ. Well, showing hospitality can be a little difficult in times of a global pandemic with COVID-19 transmission requiring us to social distance and wear masks and stick with those that live in our own household. So how in a contemporary way could we follow the mandate of this scripture? Well, maybe your community has a day center for the homeless. Maybe you could make a monetary contribution or maybe you could buy a package of socks or some underclothes or mittens or hats or a coat or maybe you have some gently used things that you could donate so that people there have something when they would have had nothing or required also here is remembering those in prison for christ that's easily forgotten in the united states where there are not people who are in prison for being a christian But there are organizations like opendoorsusa.org, for example, that keep track of where and how Christians are being persecuted all over the world. And they will send you a prayer guide so that you can specifically pray for particular needs in nations around the world. One of the worst places to be a Christian in the world right now is North Korea, has been for a long time. There may be some 50,000 Christians in prison, and they can expect to live maybe a couple of years at most once they're put into these work camps where they are starved and beaten and forced into all kinds of atrocities. These people need prayers for endurance. They need prayers for release. They need prayers for favor. They need prayers for hope and to have a chance to be a light in a dark place. So imagine if you were methodically obeying the scripture about remembering those in prison. So even if you can't go and visit someone in a prison in the Middle East or in China for Christ, you can know about them and pray for them and maybe even donate to organizations that slip aid to them.
I also like the part in that verse that talks about entertaining angels unawares. Wow, there really are agents of the Lord at work in our world today, and I would never want to pass one of those agents by because I was blind to an opportunity to witness or to minister or to help. So part one then was love, and the second part is lifestyle, talking about morality basically, beginning with verse four. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a quote of Genesis 28:15, something that God told Jacob when he was fleeing for his life from his angry fraternal twin brother Esau. And then verse 6, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what can man do to me. That is a quote from Psalm 27.1. It's very interesting that of all the moral issues he could have brought up here, he only mentions sexual immorality and greed. And it's also interesting how many of the Ten Commandments these two can tie into. You know, marriage is, of course, for the creation of families and for the propagation of the human race, but it is also a picture of God's relationship to Israel and of Christ's relationship to the church. And that is why Satan is so prone to tempt us to profane that, because if he can degrade that, he has insulted the Lord. And so remembering to keep sex in the bounds of marriage, even when it has been so pervasively ignored, uh, the guidelines that have been set up in the Word, uh, keeps the devil at bay. And then also, with greed, think about this, the commandments like, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, or not making any graven images. Those, too, can be profaned or disobeyed when a person is greedy. What about remembering the Sabbath day? If a person unnecessarily works a lot of overtime hours just because they want the money and they won't give God a day of rest to honor and worship Him, then... That commandment, too, ties in with greed. Killing. Murders. A lot of murders have been committed, either because of sexual immorality or because of greed, like a, a business deal gone bad. And then there's commandment number seven about committing adultery, directly speaking to sexual immorality. And commandment number ten about not coveting, specifically mentions not having lustful thoughts and feelings about someone else's spouse. And then we look at not stealing and bearing false witness. Greed has been the motive for a lot of theft, and certainly lies are connected with sexual immorality and greed. So that passage there is reminding us about our moral responsibilities as children of God. So part one was love, part two is lifestyle, and part three is leadership, beginning with verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
I think it's interesting that he said, remember your leaders instead of remember the teachings of your leaders. Sometimes we have to look at people's lives, not just what they say. And when you have a good pastor or a good teacher or a good deacon that you can look up to, it makes you want to be consistent. Leaders are so important. And if you are one, remember this. And then verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So now the writer is speaking about the ultimate leader, Christ himself, and how he is rock solid and consistent. And then in verse 9, he says, Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So on this theme of being consistent and following leaders, he is saying, don't let some new teaching come along and drag you away from what you already know is right, particularly if it's linked to legalism. You know, the Jews of the day of this writer of Hebrews were often tempted to try to earn favor with God by keeping the law, even after they came to Christ. Things like which foods they could and could not eat. And then he goes on in verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So now he's hearkening back again with this Jewish symbolism of the tent tabernacle in the wilderness that Moses got the instructions for on Mount Sinai and how the Levites were to serve. The Levites were the tribe from which the priests came, and so again, leaders, people who were offering the sacrifices. In verse 11, he says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So again, he was relying on the fact that these Jews were familiar with The sacrifices of animals, first, the blood was released from a vein in the neck and it was poured into a basin and the blood was sprinkled on the altar. And then the meat and the fat were burned uh, on the altar. The blood was actually sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant's mercy seat once a year, you may recall. But the intestines and the skin were taken outside of the whole camp and burned there. So the reason that's important and ties into leadership comes next in verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And so, yes, Jesus, when he was crucified, was crucified outside the city limits of Jerusalem. If you go there today and you look at the place where they think Jesus was crucified, it's inside the city limits because Jerusalem has greatly expanded. But in his day, he was taken outside the city. So in verse 13, it says, Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. So more follow your leader. As Jesus was crucified outside of Jerusalem, so Jewish Christians who had done what the rest of the Jews did not do, which was accept Christ, were going outside of what was considered the norm and acceptable. And in the same way, today, Gentile Christians fight the norm of what is acceptable in our society And we go against that which is often considered politically correct when we follow Christ. A verse in Exodus that hearkens back to this 
burning the flesh outside the camp is Exodus 29:14. But burn the bull's flesh and its hide and its intestines outside the camp, it is a sin offering. And so you see, once again, the beautiful symbols in the Old Testament really were for us today. And they're important and they're relevant. And then we get to chapter 13, verse 14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Of course, he's referring to heaven. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. You know, we are not called to offer animal sacrifices today, but we should follow the example of the Lord and we should follow our leader's example and offer a sacrifice each day of praise and of thanks. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And then verse 17, still on this theme of leadership, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. This is not a real popular message today. Many times people will come to a church and if they don't like what the leader says, even if it is in accordance with the will and word of God, they will simply ignore it, defy it, or leave. But if we are to really be in accordance with the will of God, we have to do what the scripture says. And unless the leader is telling us to do something that's not scriptural, we are supposed to submit to them. They really do have to give account of what they have told us someday before God. And then it goes on in verse 17, let them do this, that is give an account, with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage for you. Then in verse 18, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. He's saying, we're doing our best. Would you please intercede for us? And then in verse 19, he has a specific request. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So perhaps this writer was in prison at the time. Then the chapter finishes with a beautiful benediction, starting in verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we see that this chapter can be summed up by remembering commands on how to love people as Christians and how to live a Christian lifestyle and how to follow our leaders. And then the theme of the entire book can be summed up by remembering that our new covenant with God through the blood of Christ is better than the old. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please pass it along.